Praise God. I do encourage you to take some notes. I think we retain things and, and learn things better when we are taking notes. So in your service guide, there is that opportunity. We are in our second lesson of Written and Read, The Revolutionary Ideas of Jesus. He, he had revolutionary ideas. He changed the world through the ideas that he shared and his words led the way. In fact, we said last week that words change worlds. And as Jesus is beginning his ministry, he, he gives what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. It's recorded most thoroughly in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And, and he begins to talk about uh, the kingdom of God. He's preaching the kingdom of God. And he begins with these things called the Beatitudes. We call them Beatitudes because the, the first word in each one of them is the word blessed. And it's the, Greek, the uh, Latin word beatus, and that means blessed. And so, and so we call them the Beatitudes. Last week we started in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 3, where he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we learned that the first work of the Holy Spirit is the work of conviction in your life and in mine, letting us know where we're wrong and how to get right. The second work of grace in our life is repentance, where Jesus is giving uh, us that opportunity to come back or turn back to him. And I know that in my life, it has been many times where I have had to repent of the direction I was going, the activity that I was involved in, and turn to him and say, God, I'm sorry for this, and, and help me get, a, get a realigned with your will and with your word and with your way. And so God in his grace gives us that opportunity to repent. Everywhere that God is in control is considered or called the kingdom of God. And so when we repent, his kingdom becomes real in our life as we submit our life to his control. And in fact, a repentant life offers a blessing that is only accessible when God is in control. And that brings us to today. The, we are just stepping into the next verse of scripture here as Jesus begins to say in verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And that, that, doesn't, really, that doesn't really fit. Blessed are those who mourn. Because mourning is not typically positive. We don't mourn positive things. We don't say, you know, I'm in mourning right now because I got a 300% you know, raise at work yesterday. And so I'm, that's just really, I'm mourning that situation. Uh, that's not how that works. We don't mourn when good things come into our world. We mourn because something negative has been there. And in fact, in the day that Jesus was teaching, they would have said mourning was a sign that God was not happy with you, that something had been gone wrong, that, that uh, you were being, in effect, punished by God. In fact, if you think about uh, in the New Testament, the disciples are walking along with Jesus and they come along to this, to this uh, blind man and, and they see the blind man and, and we don't really know what's going to happen with this blind man just yet. But the disciples look at Jesus and say about the blind man, hey, who sinned in his life to cause him to be blind? Was it his parents or was it himself that sinned? And, and so that's causing him to be blind. Because in their day, they thought that if you did something bad, God would punish you. I know some people who still believe that today. 
I'm glad that we live in a time where God operates in grace in our lives. But Jesus is saying, blessed are these who mourn. Blessed means supremely blessed. It means happy. It means fulfilled. It means fortunate. It means well off. So this is a very positive thing. Blessed are those who mourn or lament or grieve. Those two things don't seem to really connect. Mourning and blessing, blessing and grieving. But he says the reason why there's a blessing there is that they will be comforted. There will be something in, that comes into their life in that particular moment that will console them, that will help them, that will, that will put a salve, if you will, over the hurt that's in their life. Mourning and grief in our world today are often used interchangeably where people will say, oh, they are mourning or they are grieving. But the reality is there's a difference between the two. They are connected. Mourning is an expression of grief. It's an expression of grief. Grief is felt on the inside, while mourning is what we express on the outside. Grief can be held secret. Mourning is known by others. In fact, Dr. Alan Wolfett said this, grief is the internal meaning given to the experience of loss. It's, it's that's those feelings and, and uh, th those emotions. He said mourning is when you take the grief you have on the inside and express it on the outside of yourself. Now, it may seem odd to you that we're talking about mourning on Valentine's Day. Okay, <laughs> we're, this is a day where we celebrate love and we celebrate loving relationships and we're talking about mourning and grieving. But the truth is, you do not grieve things that you do not love. You do not mourn over things that you do not have love for. And so I think it's actually very appropriate that we are talking about this on Valentine's Day. See, we hate grief. We don't like grief. I've never met anybody who says, you know what, I just can't wait to experience grief in my life. This is, it's going to be wonderful when that happens. None of us love grief because it hurts. Grief hurts. And, and when you're grieving something, when you're grieving a loss, when you're, when you're grieving, it sometimes feels like something is being ripped out of your body, like your guts are being ripped out of you. That you have that deep pit in your stomach and it feels like you want to throw up, but sometimes you can't. And, and, or maybe you already have and there's nothing left. And it's, it, it's just, it's disconcerting and it's horrible and it, it stresses every single part of your body and your life. And, and it pushes on you consistently. It's hurtful, and so we don't like grief. And hurts that we have in life, they can either heal, and we can become whole, or they can fester. And be left, if they're left alone, they will begin to fester, and suddenly, suddenly they grow. And I've, I've known people, and maybe you've known people, and maybe you are a people who have, throughout life, you, you experienced a hurt somewhere, and you've never allowed that hurt to heal. That hurt has never healed in your life. And so, so you're now 20 years later, but you're still stuck back over here where the hurt happened in your world, and, and healing has never actually uh, happened in your, in, in your life. And that's our big idea today. 
A big idea is addressed hurts, heal. Addressed hurts, heal. See, the hurts from loss, they're real. They're not imagined, they're not fake. They're just not an emotional thing that you're going through. They're real, they are emotional, and they affect every part of your life. And God designed us to heal from these hurts. The way we heal from the hurts is through the grieving process. If we try to stop the grieving process, that's where we get stuck. If we try to say we're not grieving and we're not going to mourn, we're not going to express it, then we can get stuck in that moment and we never move past that in life. I don't care how old we get, how successful we get, I don't care what else happens in our world, we can still be stuck in this moment of where that hurt happened and grief hit and we did not deal with the grief. And I have three thoughts for us today. Thought number one is, you will experience grief in life. Now, aren't you glad you came to church this morning for this uplifting message? You will experience grief in life. Now, oftentimes when we talk about grief, it's in relationship to a, a death of someone that we love, but it goes much further than just simply death. We, we grieve for all kinds of reasons. We, we grieve because there's a, a friendship that we had that was close and suddenly we're not close anymore and and we don't, maybe we didn't know exactly what happened or why we began to have a distance between us, but, but we start grieving a relationship that is no more. Maybe we, maybe we grieve the loss of a spouse. They, they left us or, or they drove us out and, and now we're grieving the loss of that relationship. There's a, a separation somewhere. I know people who have grieved the loss of business partners Things didn't work the way they thought they were going to and suddenly the partnership dissolves and now there's a grieving process that they're going through. Maybe it's a loss of a job. You, you seem like things were going well on the job and suddenly there was, there was cutbacks and, and now you're looking for a position or, or maybe there's, there was something that happened on the job. Maybe it was your fault, maybe it wasn't your fault, but something occurred and now you don't have that position anymore. Maybe it's the death of a career. You, you were on a good trajectory and all of a sudden that career seems to be derailed or the loss of a marriage that doesn't, isn't working any longer. But it doesn't have to be those things. It can be health, the health of a child. You, you, you don't want to see your child go through the health problems that they're dealing with, but they're going through them, and so there's something within you that every once in a while it just wells up, and you, it, you, there's just this feeling of, of hurt and of loss, and there's nothing you can do about it. Maybe it's, maybe it's a health issue with a spouse. Something's happening, and it can't be fixed, and there doesn't seem to be an answer, and so here you are, and you're trying to work through it, and you're trying to make the best of it, and you're trying to be happy and you know, see, the, see the good, but there is a grieving that is going on. There is a, a hurt that's there because it's changing life, and maybe the things that you thought were going to become now won't become the way you thought they would, and things have changed, and, and there's a grieving process that you're going through. Maybe it's a situation of in your own self. You, you were going along and, and all of a sudden health begins to shift and change and you can't just chalk it all up to getting older, although that seems to be the answer to a whole lot of things. But, 
but it's not everything. And so, and so here you are, you, there's an issue with your health, or, or maybe it's even beyond that. Maybe there's an adoption that didn't go as planned, or, or it went as planned, but now things aren't working out the way you dreamed that they would be whenever you entered into that situation. Or maybe decisions that you made or others made. You're looking at that and, and, and the plan isn't unfolding the way you thought that it would unfold and there's a loss of a vision or a loss of a dream and, and there's a grief that comes along with every single one of these things. Maybe there's a tragic event that happened in your life and you're just going along one day and something tragic occurs with you, around you, whatever it may be, and suddenly you find yourself at, at a crossroads where, where something that you could not control, something that you did not plan, it is what it is and you cannot change it and it has stolen something from you. It could be innocence where one moment you didn't know something like that could ever really happen and now you do and even that can be a grieving. I know young people who grieve growing up because suddenly they realize that you know they don't get to keep all of their paycheck. That's a hit. And you tell them, well, you'll get it back in your tax return, and they don't, nah, that's a, that's a lifetime away. But it goes farther than that. When you start realizing that visions and dreams you have for your life, they don't all just come. And, and sometimes growing up creates its own area of grief. There are many people grieving realities of 2020. Loss of Connections, loss of lives, loss of community, loss of jobs, loss of a sense of certainty. Everything can change. And some people see grief and the feelings of grief as weakness. Well, if I was just stronger, then it, you know, I, I, it wouldn't matter. Or if I could just control this, it'd be okay. Or maybe a lack of faith. There's some faith traditions that teach, well, you know, if you have, just have enough faith and just believe enough, then, then it, that won't happen to you and it will be okay. But here's the, here's the problem. It's not true. It's not true. God absolutely can heal anything and everything. He can raise Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus is not walking on this earth today because he died again of something. And God, I have a scar from here to here on my belly right now where when I was a, a baby, I, I should have died. In fact, the doctor said I did die, kicked my family out of the room. They did emergency surgery. It didn't really work. The doctor thought I was gone. And suddenly I came back to life. The doctor himself saying there's something unusual about this moment in this, in this kid's life. And when I look at my belly and when I see myself in the mirror and I see that scar, I remember I've got something going on in my life. I've got a job to do. God kept me here for some reason. He kept me here for some reason. But there is coming a day when something is going to take me from this earth. I, I prayed for my grandmother, a great woman of faith, for many years. To, to be relieved of, uh, of a type of arthritis that she had that left her bedridden a few years before her life. And I wish it were different. I wish it were different. And it, it causes a grief to rise up within us because we want it to be different. We want it to be different. Some people see it as a result of bad stewardship or poor choices or even God's judgment. Well, your reason you're going through this is because God's getting you. Well, if God is getting me, I, I'm God. There is no getting away from God's getting. 
He can get me wherever I am or wherever I go, so I might as well just get me, Lord. Here's the reality. It's a natural part of life. Abraham, the father of the faithful, grieved Sarah, his wife. Jacob grieved Joseph, his son. David grieved Samuel's death. Peter grieved the words of Jesus. Jesus said, do you love me? And Peter's like, yep, I do. And Jesus said, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter's like, I, you, you know that I do. And Jesus is like, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter's like, yes, and he, it's grieving him. Why would he even be having to ask me this? What is going on? There's, there's, I, I just I feel like I'm all twisted in knots because Jesus keeps asking me this question, do you love me? Paul grieved over the demon-possessed girl, and his grief caused him to, to uh, deliver her from that demon. He cast the demon out of her body, and, and she was able to go back to a normal life. It, it was grief, though, that caused him to move in that direction. Even Jesus grieved. The scripture tells us that Jesus grieved over Jerusalem and Jesus wept. We know that even the Holy Spirit can apparently grieve as well because Ephesians chapter 30, uh, chapter 4, verse 30 rather says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the death of redemption. He wouldn't be telling us don't do this thing if doing this thing was impossible. He said don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So he, these great men and women of faith, I know great men and women that have preached faith and lived faith and, and been faithful all of their lives, but eventually something takes them from this earth. And none of them avoided grief. None of them avoided pain. None of them avoided problems in their life. None of them avoided all disease, all sickness, all of anything bad. He, all of them dealt with something. And even if God himself can grieve, then we will not avoid grief in our life. We won't avoid it. But here's my encouragement to you. Don't let a season of life define your whole life. Don't let a season or an issue define everything about you. You cannot avoid loss in this world, but if you're not careful, it can overwhelm you. And it's one of the reasons I believe that many people latch on to belief systems that are not exactly biblical because it allows them to avoid dealing with the grief of loss. Thought number two, you will express grief. When grief is in your life, ultimately you will express it. Now, historically, there were all kinds of organized ways and acceptable ways to express grief from your life. Some of them, uh, they were done at home. They were done in the public square. They would do things like tear their clothes and put ashes on their head and sing loud and sad songs and weep and cry. In fact, that, you find it all through the Old Testament. You find it in the New Testament too. And if you were a wealthy family, you might prove your grief by hiring professional mourners. People who professionally grieved. Now, I know some people today that could do a really good job in that particular department. They wail like no one else. They, they are good. I had one person suggest to me in the first service that um, all Michigan fans could qualify. I don't know. I, I, I do not believe that. I do not believe that at all. I don't believe that. I, I don't believe it at all. Yeah, that is a false doctrine that's being propagated, and we're casting it out. I'm just mentioning it so you can be careful about it. That's all. 
So these were organized expressions of grief that would go from seven days to 70 days. Today, we're more likely to hide our grief. We go to the funeral of someone we love in the morning, and then we go back to work in the afternoon. Uh, we, we go to our father's grave, and then we go back to work the next day. Just give me something to do. Let me get my mind off it. As, as if not thinking about it causes the problem to go away. If, if, I just, if I'm just distracted by it, then I won't have to deal with the stuff that I'm feeling within me. I, I want to grieve, but I don't want to mourn. Pride says, hey, you got this. Nobody even has to know that you're dealing with it. And, and shame says, nobody cares about it anyway. Pride, I've got this. Shame, nobody cares about it. The issue is this. Grief will be expressed either intentionally or unintentionally. It's going to be expressed. You know how I feel about my grandfather, Papa. Um, we're, we're from Baton Rouge and we're LSU Tiger fans and, and Papa uh, was my best friend growing up and until I met my wife and then, and I tell stories about Papa all the time and, and, and I just, uh, I can't, the, the impact that he made on my life is unexpressible. But the day came where Easter Sunday, April the 5th, 2015, I received the phone call that said, Papa is dead. He, he's died today died this morning. And, I, and I, I took that phone call and it was a heavy one to receive. I was grateful that I'd been able to go back and forth and be with him over this last couple of weeks and uh, while he was still uh, uh, lucid and before he went into a coma. And, 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 and I was thankful for those moments, but it was a hard thing to leave my, my office at the church there at Grace Tomball in Texas and, and, and walk out to the, to the sanctuary and then get up there and preach a sermon that morning. It was, it was a hard thing to do, but we did it and God blessed it. And then later that week, we had his funeral. We had it back in Baton Rouge in his home church, and it was a beautiful thing. And I, I had, he had asked me, actually, he asked me when I was 12 years old, the first time he asked me to eulogize him at his funeral. Can I just encourage you, don't ask your 12-year-old grand anything <laughs> to eulogize you. Number one, they're going to go find out what eulogies are and really be sad. <laughs> So I, I got up and I eulogized him and, and, I, and I kept it together. Yes, I cried, but, but, but I was able to do what I needed to do. And months, be, days passed and then months passed and I thought, okay, I'm doing really good. Every, everything's fine. And, and yes, I would have moments where I would break down and you know me by now that I, I don't withhold emotion necessarily that I feel. And so I was doing my best to, to work through this, but the day came, in fact, it was September the 5th, it was a Saturday, September the 5th of 2015, exactly five months later, that I was sitting at Rudy's Barbecue with a bunch of men from the church having a men's breakfast. We were eating some incredible uh, breakfast burritos, and I just want to say, we need to bring them to Northwest Ohio. <laughs> but I'm sitting there eating this, this food, and we talked about life, and we talked about spirituality, and... And, and we started wrapping things up and, and, and we started talking about football because that was the first day of op the opening day for, for college football. And that day, uh, LSU Tigers were scheduled to play McNeese State. And it was going to be an easy win. Everybody knew it. The LSU could send out their third string and still beat McNeese State. We were going to be okay. 
Ultimately, that game got canceled for various reasons, but, but we, we were talking about it. And as we were talking about it, I can't talk about football without talking about football. And so uh, we're talking about it, and, and, and suddenly I start feeling really weird. I start feeling kind of, kind of like my head starts get, started getting fuzzy, and I, and I started trying to, uh, it was harder and harder to keep my thoughts focused, and, and suddenly I, I just I started feeling a little nauseous, and I started getting hot and cold and hot and cold like I had a fever, but I didn't fi- feel like anything was really wrong with me. I just, something weird was going on. So finally, after this occurred for several minutes, I, I got up and I said, gentlemen, I need to go. Uh, God bless you. And I went and got in my truck and I, 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 I called my dad. And I said, hey, dad, uh, I'm not feeling right. Something is wrong with me. And I, and I just want you to pray for me and then talk to me while I'm on my way to the house. I don't want to call Christy because I want to freak her out. He said, OK. And so he did. He prayed for me. And then I started driving and I drove really slow. I drove quite a ways to where our house was. And and, and I pulled into the driveway, I got out of the truck, I walked to the front door, I, I, I just walked into the house and sat down at the dining room table. And, and there I sat, feeling hot and cold and feeling, I was sweating by that point and, and my head is all freaked out. And it's, it's kind of like if you have ever accidentally taken too many decongestants, I stress accidentally have ever taken too many decongestants. It's the only reason I know this. Is that's, that's what it kind of felt like. Uh, my, my head was in two places at once, and it was kind of in a fishbowl. And so I'm sitting there, and Christy comes in. She says, how was men's breakfast? I said, it was, it was fine. We had a good time. But I feel really odd. Something's off with me. She said, well, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. And I, I was telling her, explaining to her how I felt. And I said, I don't know what's wrong. But I got up, and I said, I'm going to go lay down on the couch and just kind of relax for a while. And so I got up, and when I did, I almost passed out. I've passed out a few times. But never in a moment like that or for apparently no reason. And so, and so I, I, I kind of stumbled my way to the couch and I laid down. And when I laid down, the weirdest thing of all happened. And that was all of a sudden I felt like I was standing right over here looking at myself laying on the couch. And at the same time, I felt like I was floating above myself looking down at me on laying on the couch. And I knew that I was not looking at myself from this side, and I knew that I was not looking at myself from floating above myself because myself was laying upon the couch. And I knew that. And I was telling Christy, something is really, really wrong with me. You need to call the ambulance. And she said, after thinking a minute, now understand, Christy is the person who tells me to go to the doctor more often than anybody and will take me to the hospital in a second if something's really wrong with me. And so this is, this is not something that she didn't do with a lot of thought. And she said, I don't think you need to go to the hospital. I think you're having a panic attack. I said, absolutely not. I'm looking at myself from over there while I'm laying on the couch and I'm looking at the same time, I'm looking at myself from up there as I'm laying on the couch and the whole time I know I'm on the couch and I can't even talk to you regularly because something is really wrong with me. This is not a panic attack. There's something really wrong with me. And if you'd asked me about panic, when people said to me before this occurred, hey, I'm having a panic attack, the what I used to think is you need, just need to get yourself together. You need to, need to buck up and pull yourself together and, and get, your, get your head on straight. But what I realized after she started talking to me about things that she had experienced, the things that she knew and things that she understand and read, I realized that she was probably right. I was having a panic attack. And, and then what I realized is if you're having a panic attack, you can't pull yourself together. 
I don't care if you recognize that you're laying on the couch. You're still looking at yourself from over here and from up there and, and, and stuff's happening and you can't control it. And, and so I realized that she was probably right. And, and then I thought, what in the world do I have to panic about? I, I have, uh, I'm in my own house. I drove my own truck here, which is probably not a good idea in hindsight. And, and um, everything is good. We have a good family. We have a good relationship. We have a, and then I remembered that at Rudy's I had thought, LSU is playing football today. And this is the first game they have ever played that I will not be able to pick up the telephone and talk to Papa about that game because he's gone. And then I started to say that to somebody. I started to say that to the group. And, but, but I thought everybody's tired of hearing me talk about Papa anyway. And then I'm probably going to cry if I talk about it. So I don't want to do that. So I didn't express anything about it. The truth was, it didn't matter what I wanted to do. I was expressing my internal grief externally. I wasn't doing it with any intentionality. It was just happening to me, and I could not control what was going on. Intentionally or unintentionally, we express grief. And grief can make us do crazy things. People who are grieving will blow up a marriage. People who are grieving will spend money recklessly. People who are grieving will live promiscuously. Some people become very angry and they start pushing people away from them and they, they're, they're mad inside so they just shut everybody out and they become irritable and they become removed and, and sometimes it gets worse than that in that they start self-medicating with drugs and, and alcohol and if they could just stay drunk enough or if they can stay high enough and, and, and they start breaking the good things that are happening in their lives. These are good guys, these are good girls, these are good people, but they're people who are hurting on the inside who have who are not allowing the natural grief process to take place and so the hurt is festering and and suddenly you have people who have been hurting for 20 years and 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 the pain has never truly gone it's never been dealt with because they've never gone through the process of grief so the question today is will you express grief intentionally in a healthy way or unintentionally express grief and become destructive to you and to those that are around you. But when I, I, when I ask people those questions, whenever, when they're in those conditions, I say, hey, why are you shutting down? Why are you closing your family out? Why are you shutting your friends out of your life? And what they say is, I don't want to put this kind of weight on them. But that's an illogical thing to say because you're putting the weight on them. They are losing you. They, they are losing their relationship with somebody that they love, who they care about. And your grief is becoming their grief. So you got to deal with it. The weight is there, but you got to deal with it. It, it. it may take praying it out. It might take talking it out. It might mean crying it out. It might be screaming it out. It might be exercising it out. It might be walking it out. But whatever you do, you got to let that grief process work in your life and you have to mourn. You have to mourn. Take what's inside of you and express it outside of you. And here's what happens when you mourn intentionally. It brings us to thought number three, you will be comforted. That's what Jesus said. When you mourn, you will be comforted. 
So you can't address what you won't admit is happening. You, you can't heal from a hurt that you say doesn't exist. You have a gaping wound in your side and you're going, that, that's nothing. Pay no attention to my guts hanging out. Some of you are doing that emotionally. Pay no attention to what's going on in me. And then no one can extend comfort if you want to admit that there is an issue in your world that you are grieving. No one can help you. But when internal grief is expressed externally, comfort can be extended. Suddenly others' words of comfort and encouragement can be, can be meaningful to you when they, you they know that grief is present in your life. You say, well, what are words going to do? Words cannot change the, the reality of the loss, but words can begin to place a salve upon the wound that is there. And as you express and as they express, suddenly healing can begin to take place and the wound is not left to fester by itself, but but as good as friends can be and family can be, there's only one who can take a hurt and turn it into becoming whole, and that is God himself. God offers comfort that the world cannot offer. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament testify of God taking mourning and turning it into a time of celebration. David wrote it this way, Psalms chapter 30. He said, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and put, clothed me with gladness. Praise the Lord. Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He's not typically the happy guy, okay? But he says in Jeremiah 31, I will turn their mourning to joy, will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. Jesus himself said, he's talking about his own death. He says, they're going to put me to death. And then he says, most assuredly, I say to you. Now that word, those two words, most assuredly, in, in the Greek, as Jesus is saying it, he, this, is, this is, hey, I'm telling you something. This is very emphatic. He said, listen up, most assuredly. That, that's, that's what he's saying here in, in the original language. I say to you that you will weep, you, believers, will weep and lament. But the world, when they put me on the cross, the, the Jewish leaders, the, the Roman soldiers, everybody that thinks I'm a troublemaker, they are going to rejoice. It's going to be awesome. Even as you are weeping, you're going to weep, they're going to rejoice. And then he says, but you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. How is that? Because he was going to be put to death and he was going to be placed in a tomb but in three days, he was going to get up from that tomb. Praise God. And all of a sudden, the believers were going to rejoice. And the chief priests and the leaders of the day were not going to know what in the world to do with a guy they could not kill. It was awesome that Jesus got up from the grave. But then he left again. Like, I can't invite Jesus to come talk to us today. Jesus, would you come preach to Five Lakes Church? A whole different subject, but he is right now. And it's not because I'm Jesus, just clear. 
But this is what he said. He said something very specific when explaining what would occur when he left. John 14, 16. He said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. So what he's telling us is that the Holy Spirit embodies the comfort of God. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon our life as we are saved and he fills our life, the comforter fills our life with comfort. There, there is a comfort that comes from him. And so when we're in this grieving process, we can't get away from the grief. We can't get away from the hurts. But he says, when you allow the comforter to work in your life, then the hurt that you have, no matter what it is, no matter how it came, no matter how unexpected it was, no matter how deeply it cut, when the hurt comes in your life, when the comforter is with you, then you will not live the rest of your life grieving, but you will find joy as well. Praise God. How does joy come? First Thessalonians. But we do not want you to mis be misinformed, brothers, about those who are asleep or those who have died, that you may not grieve. Oh, you will grieve, but you may not grieve as others who have no hope. We grieve as believers, but we grieve as those who have hope. Why? Because the comforter has come. The Holy Spirit that empowers you, that empowers me. He has come and he has not only come, but he has dwelled within you. He indwells the believer. Now, some of you need to intentionally mourn some stuff in your life. You, you, need, you need to stop acting like it didn't happen, like it doesn't matter. Like you're, so, you're, you're tough enough to handle it all. You're tough, but you're not tough enough. You need to mourn some stuff. Maybe you've experienced some losses in 2020. I'm encouraging you today to express it. Even if you express it in a private place, I'm not saying you have to stand in the foyer and wail, but find a private place and call out, cry out, express what you're feeling inside, outside. Find someone, a trusted friend, a trusted family member, find someone to express it with. But as you grieve, do not grieve as one who has no hope. Grieve losing one relationship, knowing that the Holy Spirit will bring the right relationship into your life. Grieve the loss of that job, knowing that the provider has already made a plan for you to provide for you and for your family. Grieve losing that opportunity knowing that another door is going to open for you in your life. Grieve that health issue knowing that he is the great physician and he will either heal you or he will give you the strength to walk through it and testify of his goodness within it. Or he will take you home to glory which is a much better place than this is. Grieve that dream that died or that vision, knowing that the Holy Spirit will bring new revelation and new understanding into your world. Grieve that adoption that fell through or didn't work out the way that you hoped that it would, knowing that God loves that baby more than you do. And he still has a plan for that child and he still has a plan for your life too. Grieve that death, knowing that in Christ, you are already seated in heavenly places. The one that, that left you here 
they're already worshiping Christ in glory. And if, if I understand it correctly, I believe that if you're in Christ, you're already worshiping with them there too. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads if you would right now. Praise team, come on out here. Father, in the name of Jesus, you have called us, you have created us, and now you are comforting us. The hurt that we have, the hurts that we feel in our lives, it's so easy for us to to allow them to fester and to try to close ourselves off from, from the comfort and from the help that you provide as our Father, our King, our Savior, our Lord, our Comforter, and our strength. I'm asking you today to, to give, us the, give us the humility to open ourselves up to you and to others and to give us the courage to accept the comfort that you pour into our lives. Lord, you know what's going on in us. You know what's happening. And so today, Holy Spirit, we choose to trust you. We trust you with our hearts, knowing that you're the one that brings wholeness. You're good to us, far better than we deserve. You're gracious to us with a grace that we cannot, do not deserve and we cannot earn. And Lord, we just ask your blessing upon your people today. We may grieve, but we grieve as those who have hope. And we operate in wholeness as you bring healing into our lives. We give you thanks and praise for that in the awesome name of Jesus. And if that is your prayer today, would you just say amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close this service in worship. Thank you.